Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Spin Class. We're talking politics. I'm your host, Michael Fragan, here on the Nachum Siegel Network, NachumSiegel.com, and around the world on Arut Sheva, Israel National News slash radio. And welcome to Thursday morning political talk with former assemblyman, now assistant vice president for Yeshiva University Government Affairs, Government Relations, Phil Goldfeder. Good morning. Good morning, Michael. So great to be here again. Okay, so uh, it's good to be back. We are kicking off 2017, a little bit of a new format, a little back and forth, hoping a little uh, Democrat-Republican verbal fisticuffs, if, uh, if you will. And I just want to kick off our show with what I think now is now the money line in politics that uh, has come up, and I think it is a good line. And of course, it comes from none other than the soon-to-be former Vice President of the United States, Joe Biden. Two words: grow up. Okay, when you when your when your political adversary is doing something, you just say to them, "Grow up." And I I think that was excellent. I think it was excellent. You know, if a lot of times a lot of people are going to now look at this new administration and they're going to be shaking their head or they're going to be scratching their head about some of the things that go on. And I will say, I'll be the first to say, not everything that looks less than smart. I'll be generous with that. By <laughs> by the incoming administration is actually so less than smart. As I am seeing, there seems to be a plan. I you know, Michael, I I don't I'd like to, to, to drink what you're drinking, um, because I just don't see it. Uh, let me just start by, by thanking you for having me and what I hope will start to be the uh, the the spin class with, with Phil and Michael. Um, Sounds good. It's got a good. Hey, to not it. bad. Not bad. Um, I, I always thought I was going to go first, you know, alphabetically. That's okay. <laughs> you know, so fine, fine, fine. Why not? All right, I'll, I'll let you have it. Considering this was your show, and that you it, invited it's me okay. To be here. I'm good. I'm good. I, I'm enjoying the you know ba- the banter. Good political banter. Good personal banter. Well, why not? Then let's get right into it. I think uh, I don't think there's a plan. There's I, no plan. I don't think there is a rhyme or a reason. I think it is the uh, will of a. Uh, just somebody who is more concerned about his own ego and his uh, his own, you know, ratings, quote unquote, as him and as you saw him and, and Governor Schwarzenegger got into it on Friday. About- that's all. That's let's 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 take a time out for one second on that one. OK, because this is actually one of the more absurd things I've ever seen, because Be- most people are probably not thinking at the time they're thinking, OK, this is a personal you know, rivalry because Donald Trump can't stand the fact that somebody else might be somewhere close to him in popularity. But he is an owner of the show still. He's still the executive producer. So the fact that he is dissing his replacement is potentially costing him money. It's, it is mind-boggling. I want to remind our listeners, we are talking about, you know, in two weeks, the president of the United States is mocking a TV host. Well, he's got to get it all now. now. That's oh, see, see, I'm not sure I believe that. You know, I keep hearing that, and people, all those who are, who come to President-elect Trump's defense say, well, when he gets there, it'll be he'll be different. You know, we heard that during the campaign. You know, when he is the nominee, it will be different. And then we heard when he was the nominee, uh, when he is elected, it will be different. And now we're hearing when he is president, it will be different. You know, 
I hate to say it, but definition of, an, of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. I don't, I don't think expect he's a different Donald Trump. I don't think he's going to change. Let me be clear. And I've said this before. I've said this on the show. I've said this in others. I said this on, on JM and the AM last week. Donald Trump is not going to change. He is who he is. He's made it very clear to everybody he is going to change. He's but a, the a narcissistic idea, egomaniac. Right. But, but he might be all that. But however, his, he is masterful at controlling the agenda. And he does seem to be able to control and set the agenda and set the news cycle every single day. So, so I mean, if you talk about winning the news cycle, he's winning. He wins that news cycle. So, you know, as Senator Moynihan famously says, you're entitled to your own opinions. You're not entitled to your own facts. Donald Trump continues to change the story every time he decides that he wants to change the story, right? What we, what we read about just this weekend... Where, where Donald Trump has talked about his whole, whole campaign. He led his campaign, we're going to build a wall, we're going to build a wall, and Mexico's going to pay for it, only to see now that Congress is starting to look at how they're going to appropriate money to do it. And Donald Trump says, well, don't worry, they'll pay us back for it. But look how clever that is. It's, it's, it's politically clever. It's not clever. Right? It's a, it's a bald-faced lie. It's a lie. <laughs> well, <laughs> see, I, you know, I, it, it, it bothers me with the, the talking heads, and, and sadly I feel I'm, coming, I'm becoming one of them. This idea that it's a clever strategy. It's not clever strategy. It's saying what you want to say today, and tomorrow you'll say something different. Right, but don't most people out there, and perhaps our listening audience is going to be a little bit different, but I feel that there are a lot of people out there who feel that politicians are liars anyway. At least Trump is being honest about it. You know, as a, I think He's I think being I'm honest like, about lying. <laughs> think about that. You know, as a former politician, I think... Uh, recovering, I a, I, recovering. I, recovering politician. I think I, I take offense to that. I think most elected officials are hardworking, passionate people who care about the people they represent. I, I believe that because I've seen it firsthand. I've seen it, you know, from as high as, as senators to mayors to members of, of Congress and, and state legislators all across the country, by the way, Democrats and Republicans. I, I, I think I've, I've said this story many times where I spent some time in Oklahoma uh, after Sandy in Oklahoma had had that uh, devastating tornado. And I went down to Oklahoma and I opened up one of my speeches that, you know, I am a Democrat in Oklahoma and they still were friendly and, and cordial and wanted to talk substance. How can we recover? How can, you know, what are the next steps and, and how can we work together? And so, you know, it's not about all politicians are, are liars or we should, ex why should we ever expect the truth? It's becoming so commonplace. This lying from our president-elect is becoming so commonplace. It doesn't even phase anybody anymore. It literally, there's, he can do no wrong, even though he's literally doing things wrong, whether it's conflicts of interest, whether it's his tax returns, whether it's, you know, just sort of being very vague about how his businesses are going to run in the future. I mean, well, we're going to hear all about to know. In fact, I think that was a good time to talk about the fact that we actually are pre-recording the show. So I think that that is, uh, you know, January 11th, which will have been yesterday. We're taking a little risk here just because of the busy schedules uh, going ahead. And so we will, by the time this show airs, know, or at least there have been an announcement that Donald Trump is giving his first press conference in who knows how many months on January 11th, which will be yesterday. But, of course, we're talking about it now. But we don't know, actually, what he's going to say. He's postponed this before. We don't know what his plan is with his businesses. I think I agree with you. I think it's a total mess. I think this is unprecedented. We are in uncharted waters. However, what I'm saying is clever. It's, it's politically clever, is that he has essentially co-opted the Republican Party 
and a lot he has co-opted the establishment he has what people thought was going to be a republican party at war with itself and this is actually going up until the election it is has transformed itself into I'm not sure I wouldn't call it a Trump party because I do think that congressional Republicans do actually hold a lot of cards, but he has set the agenda for uh, Washington in a way that I think few people thought that he would, at least until this point. Now, let's see what happens. I mean, it certainly looks like his confirmation hearings are going to go smoothly. I can't think of many of his nominees that are potentially threatened. You know, again, it's so interesting. I want to remind your listeners, you know, I, I like to think of myself as a pragmatic Democrat, right? I am a Democrat, but I, you know, for me, I don't think that, that any one ideology on either sort of far right, far left sort of grabs me is that I'm willing at the end of the day to find partners to get things done. I, I want to be clear in my criticism of, of President-elect Trump is not out of, you know, I'm a Democrat and that's my duty. I think that what we're seeing is is borderline disgraceful. And I, you know, I'll use one more example, which to me is personally troubling right he made statements via twitter as per what this president does about how he knows chuck schumer he's has a relationship with chuck schumer he's excited to work with chuck schumer and yet the first sign that chuck schumer does not go along with what president-elect trump does he calls him a clown and so no, the head clown head clown the head clown <laughs> if it was a regular clown perhaps it would have been excusable but i think head clown now but that's that's the thing i mean he, you don't get you don't get the feeling that trump actually has a inclination to work with anyone but um, it's not just, he has he likes to run over people but then then say that you know and, and i by the way that's fine if he chooses not to work with anybody and and as as he himself said uh, at the convention he alone can solve uh, you know america's problems and 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 take this country and make america great again right he has made that clear time, and time. then say that then say i have no intention of working with chuck schumer with with leader mcconnell with with paul ryan i have no intention of working with any of them it's going to be all me all the time get used to it i prefer know that up front than play these games whereas one day i like the new york times one day i don't like the new york times one day i like fox news the next day i don't like fox news every day it's different he rewrites the book every single morning and it, quite frankly the american people deserve better well all you're saying is that he's unpredictable <laughs> unpredictable I, I don't again I don't mind unpredictable I want honesty I want real honesty uh, I don't want this quote unquote I'm the most honest guy in the entire world I actually want someone who's going to tell me to my face what to expect and I I will say and, and okay and, we want truth in politics that's what we're saying yeah I bring think, truth back to <laughs> politics I, I I think that there is you know there is clearly Maybe that's the agenda. Maybe the anarchy is the agenda, and, and quite frankly... Well, I think it is. I think there, there is a tremendous amount of misdirection going on. I think that he, he seems to be... all. Look, I think some of the, a lot of the stuff that he's done is, is self-defeating. I think the Russia thing, ultimately, is going to be incredibly self-defeating. I think it has been. I think there's no question that he's forced Republicans into this strange choice to choose between the, their new president and Vladimir Putin... Um, in fact, it, it, that is not the side that most Republicans are, are on. And Mitch McConnell is still saying Donald Trump is going to find out very soon that Russia is not our ally. But Trump doubles down and triples down and quadruples down and by on the way, it. And, and it, it, it's just, it, it, it is self-defeating. Yeah, he doubles down, triples down, and, and quadruples down until 
he has a spat with with Vladimir Putin, and what happens? He's calling him the lead clown of Russia the next day, and so it means nothing. Donald Trump's words have, I think, the world. I mean, I think the world is slowly realizing that his words have zero meaning, and that is a very slippery and scary slope for Americans who want to feel safe in our country, knowing that you're not just going to have a tough talking. I mean, look, I. I appreciate when there's tough talk on behalf of Americans and American citizens who are either whether it's abroad or protecting our country, homeland security. But I want to know that when push comes to shove, he's actually going to stand it instead of just changing his tune once again. Well, I'm pretty happy with some of his picks. I don't want to say that I'm I, I uh, truthfully none of them particularly disturb me except for the other one that really disturbs me is really Mike Flynn, and that's uh, and that actually goes back to our. This this discussion of Mike Flynn it has dabbled in conspiracy theories and the like, and you know, and and his son. It just he has some troubling has had some troubling viewpoints. On the other hand, he has had some pretty, I think, you know, palatable viewpoints. But I think all in all, most of his picks are going to get confirmed. Yeah, let's 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 actually talk about that for a minute. Sure, and I, I think that's really really important because if you talk about. Uh, you know, as as Donald Trump has said, you know, this is going to be the most transparent. I mean, again, we heard on the campaign about the backroom deals that he uh, accused Hillary Clinton of of doing, and he accused his fellow Republicans of doing. You know, just sort of getting things in and and, and doing things in a sneaky fashion. You know, take a look. You know, we talk about his first press conference is going to be on the same exact day of how many confirmations are actually happening on Monday? At least six. Six confirmations of major uh, of major sure. uh, departments, six confirmations all on the exact same day. Right. The American people, right? State, education, labor, I mean they they're all happening at the same attorney HUD. general. And so so let's forget political insiders for a moment. Michael, you and I, I think we're both considered political insiders, you know, we we follow this day by day. We arguably we do this for a living. And so what about the American people? Who want to hear about Betsy DeVos and, and, and hear about her policies, who want to actually hear what every one of these secretary appointments is going to say, who literally physically cannot do it. Why? Because they're all happening at the same time. And at the exact same time, Donald Trump is doing his first press conference in seven months, is it? And so he's doing this. And I think that most people believe and I'd love for, for people to, to tell me I'm wrong. I think it's it's a it's a method of distraction, right? We're gonna pull the wool over the American people's eyes, and so we're gonna try and get this done overnight. And again, you're not gonna see, you know I'm I'm gonna call a spade a spade. What the Senate, the United States Senate Democrats are doing, and basically they're not saying this is a good pick, this is a bad pick. I think they'll have their opportunity to do it. They're saying let's give the American people a time to evaluate who these people are, ask those important questions. As you mentioned, there are important questions, maybe not of all of them, but of some of them. That deserve to be asked. That 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 everybody deserves to, to have that their time and their their day in in front of uh, in front of the American people. And quite frankly, what what President Elect Trump is doing is is stealing that uh, stealing that uh, opportunity from the American people. Well, at the same time, you could say it's really good politics, and you could say that doing this is actually makes a tremendous amount of sense if you want to go ahead and win. And the point here is that you, for for the new administration, is to win confirmation. And the playing field has actually changed, and we should note that. And unfortunately for the Democrats, it's actually the Democrats' fault uh, that 
when Harry Reid changed the bar, the threshold for confirmation was at 60. 60 votes, the Democrats could have actually controlled the the process. Now they can't. It's 51 votes. Uh, you know, just to explain that for a second, you know, you need 60 votes to, to what's known as cloture in the in the Senate for most uh, for most confirmations. Uh, I'm sorry for mo- for Senate business. Uh, otherwise, you can have an ongoing debate called a filibuster. And it now the they changed the rules. The Democrats did that because they were frustrated that Republicans were stonewalling appointments. And Harry Reid changed that number. A lot of Democrats told him, including Chuck Schumer, said that he was going to regret that. Now, actually, maybe he doesn't regret it because he's out of office. But uh, he's no longer there. He's no longer there. But he has saddled by changing that. The Democrats actually no longer really have any power to do that. They need defecting Republicans in order to do that. Now, there are potentially some Republicans who are on the fence about certain of these picks. But the Democrats, unfortunately... Do not control, unfortunately for them, I should say, don't control the agenda here. And in the end, if you have power, you wield power. I think you know that. I mean, that's, you know, we like to talk about the high-minded ideals of politics, and I think I think those are important, and it'd be great if everybody lived up to that virtue and that platonic ideal. But in the end, it's uh, getting stuff done requires exercise of power, and that's what's going on here. And a lot of people might find it distasteful and might not, you know, might want different outcomes, but this is the outcome that's going to happen. In the same way when the Electoral College met and quite a few Democratic congressmen, congressmen and congresswomen kept waving papers in the air, it was, it was, it was almost comical uh, to, to go ahead and say, oh, we object to the... And Joe Biden had to stand there over and over and say, do you have a signature from a senator? Uh, no, not yet, sir. Okay, we are not going to retain it. And finally he said, guys, it's over i uh i it's you know i i found it interesting it's over i found it interesting i was in, he was uh, also telling them to grow up in different words <laughs> last week i was in uh i was in washington dc for you know, the inauguration of the new congressional class and i got to see uh senator schumer give his first remarks as leader i also got to watch the uh, election of speaker um in the house of representatives which i thought was fascinating because much like you're seeing you saw with the electoral college you know there was a, a choice, Nancy Pelosi or, or, or Paul Ryan. And those who have favored Paul Ryan said the name and moved on. Whereas many Democrats, and I, this is, you know, take this for whatever it is, many Democrats felt the need to make a speech to talk about why they want Nancy Pelosi when this was a, a, a procedural vote. You know, it wasn't the time to make points. I think that it really took a lot away from, you know, even for, for freshman Democrats who were there for the first time, who were there, you know, to, to again, for the first time to sit, look where they get to work for a living. You get to work in the United States Congress. Every vote does not have to be a fight. Every vote does not have to make a statement. I think maybe that's the problem with politics. Everybody's trying to make a statement. Let's not make a statement. Let's get things done. Everybody wants to have their couple minutes on C-SPAN or whatever it is, get a soundbite somehow into cable cable news, and that's what they're all gunning for. I had the same thing last week. I was in Albany on Wednesday for the uh, for the Senate and the Assembly and the same thing. And, you know, in the Senate, it was a foregone conclusion as far as who was going to be the leader. But the Democrats, uh, who don't even have, there are actually two Democratic conferences in the United States Senate. Uh, one of them was... The New York State Senate. 
sorry, correct, the, I'm sorry, the New York State Senate, and uh, and they each Democratic conference put up their own leader, and of course they had to have a vote because that was as as required, but it was a foregone conclusion that it wasn't going to happen, and then of course on the third vote, John Flanagan was elected as the majority leader of the New York State Senate. Everybody knew that was going to happen, and then of course there was dispute over rules, and a, so what is normally a perf- of a pro forma, very quick opening session turned into a uh, quite a slog, if you will, of of, of that because everybody wanted to you know get their points in and get their jabs in yeah. which uh which seems to be the way politics is going and let me you know while before we we go off i know there there, there was a few other topics we wanted to discuss this morning but before we do i was in washington i want to congratulate i know our friend uh, congressman tom swazi who uh, just yes. got uh, inaugurated uh, of course uh, up in washington heights represents yeshiva university in washington heights congressman adriano espayat and uh, of course my colleague from the other side of the aisle who recently left Al- albany uh Congresswoman Claudia Tenney, who is uh, I got to see in, in the House of Representatives. So uh, to all the, the let's new not members. forget uh, Congressman John Faso as well. John Faso, that's okay. All, a, a former assemblyman, of course. Before a, a bit before my time, I don't want to age him at all, but uh, a bit before my time. But uh, congratulations to all the new members. Uh, I'm excited about what we can get done. Yeah, actually, quite a few new uh, new faces in the New York State delegation. Yeah, it's interesting names. There are a few, and, and I admit that I didn't I didn't recognize right away, and so it's exciting. I think it, I think it's exciting time, and uh, like I said, I, I'm hopeful that on behalf of all New Yorkers in this country that they're going to get things done. Yeah. So let's just talk now. We're talking about Congress for a second. The most important vote of note took place. Uh, I think it was House Resolution 11. They're already up to 11 resolutions for the for the new year. I mean, it's actually interesting because normally they have the swearing-in day and there's very little business that goes on. Uh, the both both houses of Congress have actually been engaged in a quite a bit of, of business. The Senate, of course, has responsibility for confirmations, so that's going on. But it's really been a flurry of activity, uh, and it's, one of them was a House resolution condemning the United States abstention, as we talked about last week, in the United Nations vote. And for, well, to my chagrin, I would say, uh, this was opposed by, well, like three or four Republicans, some of whom uh, always vote against, uh, two of whom always vote against uh, foreign, uh, any foreign resolutions. Uh, one of them, Louis Gohmert, uh, didn't feel that the resolution was strong enough, but about 75, 78 Democrats voted against this, including some that we know. I don't want to call out anybody by name. That's not, that's not important right now. But I, ha- I got to ask you, you know, as, as a Democrat, you know, what is the I understand, okay, there's going to be 20, 30 who are getting a little bit hostile to Israel in, in, to a certain degree. But 70, I mean, is this idea that we can't, I, we, that, that, the, that the progressive wing of the Democratic Party is so strong and so hostile to Israel that so many Democrats can't bring themselves to, to vote? You know, f- vote on a pretty, I think, you know, from American perspective, a pretty benign uh, Israel resolution. Um, so I, I, you know, and I, I would say, you know, there's one person I think it's worthy to, to, to call out and to talk about, and that's Representative Ellison, who is, is running to sure. be the chairman. The of DNC the, chair. Yeah, the DNC chairman. I think it's pretty telling about where the... You ruined the, my follow-up question, but that's okay. Go oh, ahead. I apologize. <laughs> See, this is how you know we're not rehearsed. Uh, yeah, I think it's a little bit telling about where the Democratic Party is, is going uh, to the left. Endorsed by Chuck Schumer. 
<laughs> uh, I'm sure that there are reasons for 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 what Chuck Schumer is doing. He's obviously yeah, but tell us, but tell us where they are. But I mean, it's, it's, it's what's a, the thinking? I mean, it's a, it's a scary, you spoke scary you spoke thing. to some you spoke to some of these guys, right? I mean, what is their thinking here? You know, I because I, I, some of them are not hostile to Israel. You wouldn't say, oh, this is an anti-Israel guy, but yet he votes no on this on this resolution. You know, it's funny because you're seeing what over the last 10, 12, 15 years, members who have a hundred percent voting record on Israel votes on resolutions and so on who started have started to to, to move away uh, i can't explain why i don't quite frankly i don't understand it I, I don't get it i don't understand the politics of it i can tell you is that i you know as an elected official i got invited to many press conferences in new york city in front of city hall we did a few in albany uh, in support of israel for whatever reason we did a few last summer during the gaza war um and so we did you know some press conferences to show that new york stands with israel some of the, you know, so as I was walking away from the press conference, there was protest rallies, which, by the way, counter rallies, which I welcome. That's, this, is, this is New York. This it's is America. the U.S. It's America, please. But the things they said to me are things that you can't imagine are being said. Things like, you know, Jews have no place in New York. Things like Hitler should have finished the job. Screaming at me personally, right? On the streets of New York City, there is this liberal arm of the Democratic Party. The, the same way I would say, I would describe it as sort of the left version of, of the Tea of Party. The alt-right. Of the alt-right or the Tea Party of the alt-right and maybe a little farther. Right, This party that is so emboldened. I don't think the Tea Party is predominantly anti-Semitic. I would well, say. I, no, no, I didn't mean it yeah. that way. What I meant was that, no, let me let me clarify. Is What I meant was you have a fringe portion of the party on the Democratic side. No, no, I just the opposite. I don't mean to think that the alt-right right or, or the conservative movement is anti-Semitic. What I mean is, is that there is this far left movement in the Democratic Party that is slowly but surely taking over the mainstream party. When you listen to sort of some of the criticisms of Congress over the last few years, it's not that Democrats and Republicans can't get along. It's that the 50 or 60 hard right Republicans rather shut down government than actually find ways to work together. Sadly, on the Democratic side, you're seeing the, the, the fringe part of the party starting to shift its way or, or, or spill over into the mainstream Democratic Party. And that scares me. That scares me as a Democrat, as someone who has run for office on the Democratic line, as someone who you know, may one, one day again run on the Democratic line. It, it's scary because this is uh, the Democratic Party used to be the party that, that stood up for Israel and, and was, was a staunch supporter for, for the Israeli people and, and our only ally in the Mideast. And sadly, we're starting to see a movement away Quite publicly, with how many votes? 75, 76 votes against. Uh, yeah, are we uh, making news here that you might be running for office? But uh, <laughs> but, uh, but I, I, as a Republican, and there are some Republicans who like the idea that and they'll advertise and they'll tweet and they'll say, well, the Democratic Party is leaving Israel and the Republicans are the only place. I don't want the Democratic Party to be the anti-Israel party and the Republican to be the pro-Israel party. I, that's not That's not a goal for me. I think that progressives or liberals can find what to love and admire about Israel. And I think conservatives can find what to love and admire about Israel. And we can all support Israel for our own reasons. I don't think there has to be one way to support Israel. Uh, I think that, you know, th there are different ways to support Israel. And thank God Israel is a democracy. And it has a multiple viewpoints as well. And I think it should be the same thing. That's, per that's my personal thing. I know politically, uh, using Israel as a wedge issue has worked very well, although not quite as well as some Republicans would want. But I do think that there is this alarming trend uh, out there. And, and, you know, we're, you know, just uh, 
just since we get into the DNC thing, and you know, quickly as we're you know quickly uh, running running low on time, uh, where you know what what are the prospects now for Keith Ellison? I mean, there's one major competitor, uh, Tom Perez, and uh, 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 you know where where does uh, you know where does that look? I mean, it looks like Keith Ellison might be the winner. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Or nobody knows. I, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I, my fear is that, you know, and I, I, I've said this before, is that you have the fringe of any party dictating the message of the entire party, and I don't think that's the way it should be. I think we've got to find ways to work together. Um, so interesting one there. I think just uh, a noteworthy in Ohio, they had the race for uh, GOP chairman in Ohio. It was actually Kasich versus Trump, a little proxy war, and uh, Trump won. Uh, Trump's Trump's person won that. Uh, Trump was able to install his own GOP chair. It was actually somebody who was a case former Kasich supporter. Uh, but the interesting thing about that is he didn't win in convincing fashion. Uh, you need thirty four votes to win. I was able to only his candidate was only able to get thirty three, and Kasich candidate got thirty two, and the and in the end because they brokered a compromise where Kasich's candidate actually dropped out of the race there there thereby giving it to so you see a republican party divided in in, in ways these intra party inter party i uh, sorry intra party squabbles are very interesting they have a lot of dynamics having nothing to do with politics i think that that's uh, i think that we see over and over but the and the people who vote in these are not political these are in party uh, officials uh, very quickly as we as we run down uh, you know I know we, we closed last week talked about New York City mayor with the one word answer who's anybody gonna run the 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 topic du jour is Hillary Clinton Hillary run, Clinton. running for mayor of New York City I think it would be an interesting race Hillary Clinton uh, uh, against her primary, protege uh, uh, in the primary versus Bill de Blasio and then you know the winner of that taking on Ivanka Trump in the in the general oh I thought it was Donald Trump jr who was gonna run uh, you know I think it's still undecided you know I think it would be interesting you know I've I I think that that I, look, I don't believe that Hillary Clinton would do it. I, I don't. Um, I think a lot of people, I think she likes to be talked about. Who doesn't like to be talked about? So who's so who's pushing this out there? You know, look, there there's, I think, a lot of, there's an anti-de Blasio faction. Um, we've seen uh, uh, this uh, consultant, Bradley Tusk, who has not been shy about sharing his dislike and distaste for, for this mayor and his policies. And so, you know, it could be coming from anywhere. I, I don't think we've, we haven't seen any official announcement, declaration in any way, shape, or form. Uh, and quite frankly, you know, I think on some level, Hillary Clinton and or Hillary Clinton's team probably likes to be talked about, to be back, sort of the buzz of, of New York. But I, I I don't see it happening. Well, this did happen once already. Back in 2000, there was this there was this drumbeat for her to run for senator. And then a lot of people moved out that, you know, she didn't live in the state. She had no connection whatsoever to the state. And then they came, and then she came. Now she's actually a New Yorker, she, although she doesn't live. In she the doesn't city. live in New York City. Let's That's, be clear; she doesn't. She would have to take residence in New York City. I'm sure that wouldn't be a problem for her. But um, you know, I you know, I don't I don't see it quite yet. I you know, again, just yesterday I heard uh, talk of maybe she'd better off run for governor. Um, and so I think that this is only the beginning of a ton of rumors that you and I are going to be discussing. Over okay, the next so months. we'll be picking it up as we run out of time here on Spin Class here on the Malcolm Siegel Network. Stay tuned for Jew with the City Speaks. With Allison Joseph, speak to you next week.